Man, I'll tell you what, what a fun weekend, college football, and I'm excited to be here on another episode of the Bad Take Podcast. It was funny, I was at a friend's house Saturday night to watch a few of the games, and they had this other friend come in just for a little bit. She was picking something up, and she I clearly read the room and saw that we had been sitting down there for a while, and she just asked, have you guys been watching TV all day? And I, we looked at her and we're like, uh, yeah, like what else would you do on a Saturday? But then at the same time, I did go outside for the first time at about 5 PM and it was really nice outside. It's first, first week of fall. How's everybody feeling about that? I like the fall. Honey, can you give us a quick update on your soccer team, please? It's not going great. (laughs) Not going great. Um, Yeah. It's, uh, I think we've lost every game we've played. We have one win, team forfeited. <laughs> hey, that's what it's all about. I love it when a team – actually, I don't like it when a team forfeits because then I don't get to play the game that I love. But uh, let's get right into it, guys. So there was a big game Saturday night, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't watch one single second of that game because Arkansas versus LSU was on at the exact same time. Arkansas, if you guys know anything about – this rivalry game, Arkansas versus LSU, the Battle of the Boot, uh, no matter what, Arkansas is going to play close for the most part. I think the one time in my life that I specifically remember them not playing too close was that year that Joe Burrow was quarterback for LSU and Arkansas was coming off firing. It was the first game after they had just fired Chad Morris. And that game, I think they were leading after the first quarter, but other than that, it, it ended up being a blowout. But Arkansas did it again, man. They lost 34-31. to 31. It's a back-and-forth game. It was great. But I know you guys are all Hog fans on this. Let me ask you, how many more moral victories do you have in you? Because I don't have that many more moral victories left in me. I think next week, if we lose that game, it's downhill from here on out. Like, you have one more chance to kind of right the ship. I mean, I guess if we beat Bama later, that would right the ship. But other than that, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that if we don't have a good year, Sam Pittman's retiring. And so this could be retirement very soon. Who's saying these things? You don't have to out them if you don't want to, but that sounds, that's a crazy rumor. I hope it's not true. I'm, I'm a Sam guy. I can't do a new head coach for a couple of years at least. I can't keep doing this, man. I can't keep that's doing what, this. That's what I told my brother. I said, like, I really believed, and I guess there's still a chance, but, like, I believe Sam was the guy to get us right. You know, no more of this mediocrity and worse. But if he's not, like, who who is? I also heard a rumor. Gus Malzahn. Dion, all right? That he – because, you know, he interviewed at Arkansas because Jerry Jones wanted him to. That's right. And maybe maybe he's the answer. Make him the highest-paid coach in football and get him from Colorado. Jerry Jones will write the check. I was going to say, can we afford that? Can Arkansas afford that? Yeah. <laughs> that Walmart and Jerry Jones money? That sure would be something. I mean, the dude is has just put together a team, and he you know, started off 3-0 and after being predicted to go maybe even win three games total the entire season. So that would be something. You've got to take a step back and think about this, because four years ago, you were just – like people were saying, oh, if you can even get like relevant – in three years, you've done an amazing job because that's how low the program was. And they've come off back-to-back bowl wins. I get it. You're disappointed in year four that it seems like you haven't taken like the next step forward. 
but at the same time it's like come on now it's not like the guy hasn't like transformed everything in four years to where you're at least like relevant i get it if maybe in a next year you're like okay we still can't take a step forward but i think people are being a little bit too a little too harsh they just went toe-to-toe. They just went toe-to-toe with LSU, who a lot of people are saying is the best team in the SEC West on the road, mind you. Uh, honestly, if they had not lost to BYU, and they but they played like they did last night, or excuse me, spoiler alert, this drops on Thursday. Uh, if they played like they did on Saturday night, we would not be having this conversation. But I just wanted to start with Arkansas talk because we're all Hog fans here, and we're all uh, – it's just it's a life of uh, it's a life of moral victories and having to ride the ship, as as Cade said. And I don't know how many more times I can I can ride the ship. But I wanted to talk about that real quick before we get into what obviously was uh, the biggest game of the day. Man, it I looked back at some of the highlights. Really felt like a like a Midwest football game. You know what I mean? Ohio State versus Notre Dame. Was anybody able to catch a, a little bit of that game? I watched a little bit. I can't believe that Notre Dame had only 10 players on the field for the last two plays. I think that's like all that you have to say. That's just wild. Yeah, I heard uh, Marcus Marcus Freeman was scared that they would get some sort of penalty if they tried to sub in real quick. That was his reasoning behind keeping 10 players on the field. I'll say this, Ohio State's 11 players were the more physical than Notre Dame's 10 players. So, Ryan Day, you got Lou Holtz on that one. That was my favorite part of that game was Ryan Day in his, his post-game press conference. He was mad. He felt disrespected. And who did, who did he feel disrespected by? The guy that's 6,000 years old, Lou Holtz. That's who he felt disrespected by, who said that he did not have – he's never really had a physical team. That's why he's lost to these bigger teams in the playoffs and that kind of thing, and even to Michigan last year. Lou Holtz said all this while slumped in a reclining-like seat on the Pat McAfee show, so – He's still kicking. He's still kicking barely, though. Yeah, what would you guys think of Ryan Day's post-game comments? It was just, why why, why are we going after Lou Holtz as our first guy? I don't think that I had heard Lou Holtz's name in, like, months. And he hadn't even crossed my mind until Ryan Day said that. I'm like, man, he really, he really must have crossed him wrong with the, the comments he made. To, you know, he just seems like, you know, you're taking a shot and somebody who could be in a nursing home. He probably is, and they just dragged him out to do that interview. Ryan Day's feeling disrespected, man. I don't know. It's just, you know, these coaches, a lot of them are just trying to, I think, start a narrative for their team. We'll talk about Dan Lanning here in a second. But anyway, I mean, I would say that's a big win, man. We all got that wrong. We thought Notre Dame was going to be the team. We thought uh, that offense was rolling with Sam Hartman, but uh, Ohio State showing that they're still a little bit better, still national championship team worthy. Ethan yeah, I do have to just comment that Notre Dame still wins the uniform of the year for me. Those were really nice. I remember you talking about how, how much you love those uniforms, those greens. Yeah. And the gold helmet. And the gold helmet. There's nothing like it's nothing like the Irish man. It really isn't. Uh another coach that was getting mad at old people, uh Jake Dickert, the Washington State coach, was getting mad at Lee Corso of all people because he said on college game day that the Washington State versus Oregon State game, the only two remaining Pac-12 teams that don't have a home for next year was the nobody watches bowl is what he said. Although I think he heard wrong because apparently Lee Corso said it was the 
no no one has a home bowl or something like that. It was he said it's the nobody wants we'll us bowl. Go, yeah. Nobody wants us bowl. And he meant nothing by it other than they're the, still the two that are in it, but it made Kirk Herbstreit very mad because you know those two are. He, no, he looks out sure. for Lee. Yeah, I mean the guy, <laughs> the guy's going after Lee Corsair's had a history of strokes in the last couple of years, and I just I think it's just funny these these coaches are going after these old guys for whatever reason. Two in one day, and go done. And they're all happening in the Pac-12. They're all happening in the Pac-12. Another coach that was calling people out, Dan Lanning, the Oregon coach. Firing his boys up. That's the only reason why I think that he was making those comments was to to fire his guys up, give them a chip on their shoulder, just to give them that extra juice before the game. What do we think about Dan Landing's comments about Colorado team? That they're what? What do you say? Oregon's playing for wins. Colorado's playing for clicks. Is that what he said? What do you guys think about that? I loved it. That was great. I could just picture you when I saw that video. I, I could just picture you, Kay, just looking at that and smiling and nodding in approval. Yeah. So this game is played on the field, not in Hollywood. <laughs> I'd like yeah. to point out Colorado's games are played in Boulder. They have not played <laughs> in Hollywood yet. They took it to them. I mean, they got eviscerated. Their well, that game wasn't even close. Their linemen were so much better, and I mean, it was awesome. Oregon's legit. Colorado. Well, vastly improved in year one. I'm so glad. Like, the media hype is what made it unbearable. Like, mm-hmm. the media acting like Dion was the first coach to ever do anything. Whenever, like, like they put out video of him doing basic coach things. Like, but, no, he's the, he's the only coach that has uh, pumped in uh, opposing teams' crowd noise into practice. Do you know that? Yeah, exactly. So it was nice to – pump the brakes on it they're still gonna have a good year especially for what they were one win last year yeah. but it was nice to see like an actual contender just destroy them yeah colorado um and it's really i don't think it's intentional it's just that you know the media likes to grab a hold of stories and go with it uh, Colorado's broken the media. I saw Sports Illustrated put a comment out or an article out yesterday that says uh, College Football World shocked by Oregon's big win over Colorado. Uh, I don't. I don't think that's true at all. Nobody was shocked by. I, I think that win. They were they were twenty two and a half point favorites. Ethan. Funny how Colorado they like it just felt like enough wasn't enough for them the whole game. It was like we might be up by twenty right now, but we are gonna fake a punt with a huge dude. Yeah, it was like they were just like. They were just so set on sending a message that game. And, I mean, they did. Yeah, I, I mean, it I was, take them serious now. It's said no mercy. <laughs> it was so much to the point I was like, Dan Landing, you might want to cool it, dude. <laughs> he weird. literally might, he might need to go see somebody. Like, he, he's, Deion Sanders is living in his head. He was out for blood. That's the Dion effect, though. I don't know. Kudos to Coach Dion Sanders for, uh, I don't know, I thought he handled it really well. He was like, hey, get your licks in now because this is the worst my team will ever be. And I, he's completely right. I mean, Colorado's really just only going to get better from here. So it's, I'll be curious to see what the coverage for Colorado here in the next, next coming weeks is going to be because I think they play USC next, who struggled a little bit against Arizona State. I said the social media won't be backing down either no, way. When not at lost. all. I, the funniest tweet, and I, I hope I could, I, I could remember who this guy is, but I don't. Uh, this one lady, Josina Anderson, I believe is her name, said, I wonder 
what the pregame speech would be like if Travis Hunter was playing. And then this guy responded that that liver, because he has like a lacerated or no lacerated kidney, right? Mm-hmm. He was like, Yeah, that kidney's not worth 35 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's true. Like one player like that, it wasn't gonna change the change the aspect of the game. I mean, Oregon linemen offense and defense were just so much better. Yeah, just control the line of scrimmage. Let's stay in the Pac-12 because we haven't we haven't talked about this guy or really this team at all. But Washington, kind of having the best. Uh, Ethan, you raised your hand there. No, I had jumped the gun earlier. I thought you were going to say Washington State, and I was going to say I've been sounding this alarm every single week. Oh no, good for you. I, but, I'm proud of you on the Washington State. My bad. I jumped. I jumped the gun. I jumped. Oh, but can can you believe that there's a better team in in the state of Washington, Ethan? There isn't though. And they reign in Seattle. It is the Washington. No, they're in Pullman. No. They're in Pullman. <laughs> they are putting up, especially that offense is putting up, like, generational numbers. I, I, um, and I, I'm not I'm not saying this to, like, make a joke or whatever, but I really don't know how to say his last name. Is it Penix or Penix? Penix. Okay, thank goodness. Okay. <laughs> Michael Penix Jr. is uh, – I mean, he's the clear Heisman front runner right now. I mean, highest QBR in the league – uh, highest QBR in the in the in the country, I think, right now. Somebody can fact check me on that right now. Averaging nearly 400 yards, they obliterated Colorado. I think they scored 28 points in the first quarter. It wasn't even close. Yeah, Washington. That's I know we all think Oregon is probably the best team in the in the Pac-12, but I don't know, man. Washington's starting to sell me. I'm pumped. Like, what happens if it, it doesn't really matter who wins the first game? But Washington, let's say they beat Oregon. And then they meet in the championship, and Oregon beats Washington. Those are their only losses. Could we? And he, you referenced this a couple weeks ago. I think it's a joke, but still, you reference it. Two Pac-12 teams in the playoff, and could they be Washington and Oregon, or maybe they'll be Washington State for Ethan's sake. Y'all are forgetting about USC too. I might have said it tongue in cheek, but I do believe that there could be two Pac-12 teams in the playoff. Maybe even three, as Ethan holds up three fingers. You're also right about Michael Penix Jr., highest QBR in the country. But yeah, he's he's fun. He's playing good. Uh, USC, you just brought them up, Ethan. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna lose one of these games to Oregon or Washington. I think. I think your two best teams are Washington, and Oregon, right now. Do you want me to read off the? I'm just gonna do it. I'm not gonna ask for permission. The highest scoring offenses in the country, points per game, USC 55, Oregon 54, Washington 49.8. Oklahoma is in there at 46.8, and then Washington State at 45.8. So four of the top five highest-scoring offenses reside in the Pac-12. What a what a swan song this year. We've talked about it before. And listen, Oklahoma is only because they put up 1,000 points against Arkansas State in week one, okay? That'll bring your mm-hmm. average up for sure. Is it fair to say that the Pac-12 is the new – or, yeah, the Pac-12 is the new Big 12, just a little bit better? Than it used to, like the Big Twelve used to have all those high scoring teams. I feel like the Pac Twelve always had had it too, but they just weren't as prominent as Big Twelve teams. But I think as but but they they've taken over that prominence that the Big Twelve used to have of like your high scoring offense. So yeah, Pac Twelve is fun. Kate, you put a bunch of notes here. Four and zero. Kyle DeBoer, ninety four and eleven. Three fourths NAIA national championships. What is? Tell me what all of this uh, means. I feel like I'm solving the one of the riddles. <laughs> Riddles in Batman right now. <laughs> I was just saying that they're uh, Washington's four zero. The head coach Kyle DeBoer, his record as a head coach is ninety four and eleven of all his schools. 
and his first head coaching job was at an NAIA school. I think it's Sioux Falls is how you say it. Uh, and he won. He he appeared in four straight NAIA NAIA national championships, and he won three out of four. So nice. I'm saying that he's a a beast of a coach. There you go. No, that that's good. Those are good numbers. I appreciate you putting those in there. Alabama switch over conferences. I think we're done talking about the Pac-12. Alabama gets it done, beats Ole Miss twenty-four to ten. Really made Ole Miss's offense look just constipated the entire game for the most part. Yeah, that that defense. That defense is really good for Alabama. Enough to where if you do have quarterback woes, you can still win ball games, as we've seen. So Nick Saban not done yet. You guys, any takeaways from that game? Didn't uh, Lane Kiffin say somewhere in there that they didn't really know how to prepare for Alabama because they didn't, they weren't certain on so many things. He's so. uh, making making excuses. Did you hear what he said? By the way, before the game. He said uh, it's a privilege, like, you know, it's exciting to play Alabama because you don't know and play Saban specifically because you don't know how many we'll have left to be able to play him. <laughs> just trolling, just trolling the entire week. And then you troll so much coming up to this game and you lose 24 to 10. Lane, you got to do better, man. You got to do better. <laughs> When's he going to get it done? I mean, he, like, I guess maybe he'll never beat Saban. We'll see. I don't know. Can you get it done at Ole Miss? That's the question. I don't know. He might get it done when he goes to, oh, maybe Bama. <laughs> hey, if you can't beat him, join him. Florida State survives. That was a really good game against Clemson. Won 31-24 to in overtime. Clemson had a chance to really control that game. About a 30-yard field goal for a player who wasn't even on the team on campus last week. Had a job lined up in New York. Had I mean, this is a perfect storybook ending, and he misses the field goal. Uh, the game goes into overtime, and Florida State uh, wins to stay in the top four. Dabo, two early losses. I remember at one point before the season even started, we were talking about how Dabo – we were basically killing Dabo on this podcast, saying he might have some juice left, but we don't know. What do we think about the Clemson Tigers right now? The campus is on fire. People are freaking out. It was basically like this is the last year I feel like people were saying prove that you can do it without using the portal. And it's basically like, all right, you cannot do it the way you've yeah. been. What made what makes Saban great is he changed with college football. And it seems like Dabo is unwilling to change. Like he had those great years, two national titles. But unless he makes some adjustments, then he's probably – at least I think this is probably what Clemson fans are thinking, that he's probably not going to win another one. Can you can he change? That's the question. I don't know why he doesn't embrace the the transfer portal. I mean, the, the stats don't lie that – I think last week the teams that were top 10 in transfer, transfer portal rankings were all uh, – I think there was literally like one loss between all of them at that point after week three. So what you're seeing is, like, if you want to win now, bring some guys in from the portal, man. So I, someone's going to have to talk to Dabo about just, like, evolving with the times. you got to evolve. you got to change if you want to be good in college football. Let's go to Big Ten talk. Uh, Penn State obliterated Iowa. Brian Ferentz did not score 25 points. They scored zero points. Iowa did. Penn State, you're not going to believe this is a crazy stat. Penn State ran 64 more plays than Iowa. Again, I, again, I did not watch that game because it was going on at the same time as Arkansas LSU, but I'm kind of glad I didn't. It sounds like an unholy thing to watch. 64 more plays. 
Oh, I wrote this down. This is interesting. A Texas State band member was escorted from the stadium for throwing a trident at a Nevada football player. Can you believe that? A trident. You might be asking, how did he get the trident in the first place? Apparently, Nevada has a turnover trident. I don't know how this band guy got a hold of this thing, but he threw it at them in a in a threatening manner. I don't know if it's a sharp trident. I don't know if it's foam. I don't know what's going on there. But uh, we'll, we'll give you updates on that as, as the weeks go on for sure, because that's, that's very important news that we got to talk about. Arkansas State update, Cade, please. Oh, I was just I, I was just checking the scores, and I saw they won. And we were kind of talking about a couple of weeks ago how they were like the worst team in the country. And yep. they're 500, 2-2, two two, very impressive. Started out the year getting outscored 100-10-3 to 10 to 3 in their first two games. Uh, so good for them at 500 right now. Sometimes crying at your job is the answer, and you can lead to success. That is the that's the wisdom we've learned from that one. Uh, a little Biff Poggi update: lost 22 to seven to Florida. That's all I'm going to say about that one. Ricky Purcell Jr. though had what some are saying the catch of the year in that game, where he went one handed between three guys, got hit, and still kept the ball in his hand. So that was pretty neat. What else we got to talk about? Oh. Should we adopt Georgia State as the official bad take team? Cade, honey, Ethan, they're 4-0. Big win over the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers on Thursday night football, as we like to call it here. This is the official Thursday night football. I don't even know the coach's name. Oh, does anybody? Oh, no. Can we find out? Uh, Sean Elliott. Sean Elliott. Sean Elliott. Sean Elliott is crazy. That guy was yelling at his players beforehand. I saw a video of him, like, running over to a guy and another dude pushing him out of the way. Those guys were amped for that game against Coastal Carolina. Georgia State, that's a team we need to keep an eye on. There was a moment in a game between, was it James Madison and, here it is. It, it was between James Madison and Utah State, where the James Madison coaches were very upset about a call to the point where one of the assistant coaches grabbed his smartphone and showed the replay to the ref from like the the TV viewing of it, the ref got really mad, grabbed the phone out of the coach's hand and told that guy to get back. That is a, probably a first for college football, trying to use video evidence. Apparently that's illegal. That's what the commentators were saying. I've never seen anything like that. Let's get right into picks, guys. Does that sound good? I'm not going to give you an update on official rankings. Just I, I sucked last week. I think I went two and six. It was a bad week for me, man. I picked a few underdogs. UCLA – only scoring seven points, 14 to seven loss to Utah. Ugly game. But hey, every now and then you're going to have it. I, I think I was way off. Without Cameron Rising. Without Cameron Rising. You're exactly right. I think I was way off about Chip Kelly having a good offense. I know Utah's got a good defense, but seven points. Come on. What are we doing? I had not seen a one single play, just full transparency of UCLA football. I just assumed they had a good offense, but I guess I'm wrong. I guess I'm wrong. We get a good slate of games coming up this next week. And so let's get right into it. We'll do a little bit of a maybe a speed round, you know. Hold on, let me get to the picks here. And we're going to start with this is game day again, another Notre Dame game. Notre Dame at Duke. I, this one's going to be interesting, I think. Notre Dame coming off a tough loss to Ohio State where they're going to be, you know, a little bruised, a little angry, wanting to win. And a Duke team who's really just been cruising throughout this entire season so far, beating Clemson week one and really has looked like one of the best teams in the ACC. And so, Cade, who do you like in this game? I'm going Notre Dame. 
Uh, I think their loss is going to motivate them. And Duke has been a really good feel-good story. But at the same time, you're playing a mad Notre Dame team that is still really good, really big physical. I think they'll get the dub. Yeah, I'm also going with Notre Dame for similar reason. You know, touchdown Jesus. Amen. Is that heresy? I don't even know. Should we edit this one out? <laughs> if this one was academics, I would go with Duke and a nail biter, but Same, yeah, it's not. Good. It's not. So I'll go with Notre Dame and not a nail biter. Well, I'll tell you what. I was I've been flipping back and forth on this game. And since you guys all picked Notre Dame, if I pick Notre Dame, Duke's gonna win. But if I pick Duke, Notre Dame's going to win. You guys have put the odds on me to just be bad all the way. So you know what? I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to go Duke. I think at home they're going to be fired up. What's his name? Not even not Myers Leonard. I did, I'm did. i doing this again. That's a Miami Heat basketball player. I, I can't even remember his name. Forget Riley him. Leonard? Riley Leonard. <laughs> right. I think Riley Leonard could show that he's really good. So, yeah, I'm going to go Duke on this one, guys. Uh, Kansas versus Texas. Games at Texas. Kate, I know you like Kansas a lot. I do like Kansas a lot, but Texas looks really good. Is Texas yeah. back, Kate? No comment. But I, I'm going to pick Texas. I mean, they just looked really physical. They survived Wyoming. So, yeah, go Texas. It's always horns down, but uh, for today it's uh, horns, horns up, I guess. Um, <laughs> Texas. You don't have to. You don't have to actually do it. Just you can say it. That's no, fine. No, no, no. Yeah, I think this one will be close, but Texas. Oh my goodness, I uh, Kansas is that's a feisty team, dude. Kansas is really feisty, and I think they're legitimately good. But I'm the Texas guy on this on this podcast, so I am also going to go Longhorns here. We just curse them. Florida at Kentucky. Florida is ranked. Kentucky is 27th, I believe, in the AP poll. It's in Lexington. Kate, who do you like in this one? I'm actually going to go Kentucky. I think home game, solid defense. I feel like playing at home for Florida is such an advantage, but I don't know how they are. I don't think they're a great road team, so going to go Kentucky. Honey? I'm going to go with Florida um, based off of the win against Tennessee, Charlotte, um, I think they're playing really well right now. Better yeah. than I thought they were going to. <laughs> yeah, they really have found their stride. Ethan? This is like one of the biggest toss-ups for me in my head. But I'll go with Kentucky because it's at home for them. You know, Kentucky really has played mediocre to what I thought they were going to do. Even last week against Vanderbilt, struggled in a lot of that game, especially to let to stop Vanderbilt from scoring. But I think at some point they are going to turn the corner and show that they are in my opinion, the second-best team in the East behind Georgia. So I'm also going to go Kentucky in that one. Next up, we got LSU at Ole Miss. Still a ranked matchup. Cade, who do you like in that one? I'm going with LSU. They look pretty good to me, and I think they should have lost this weekend, but they did not. And hey, that's every, every single freaking Arkansas game, I say that same thing. <laughs> I'm going to go LSU. I feel like, I don't know – I mean, in one sense, a lot of these SEC West teams are really close to each other, but I think Ole Miss is just a little bit more average than LSU. LSU is a little bit better, especially a wide receiver. I think I'm also going to go with LSU. This one was hard to think about, just knowing like Ole Miss coming off of the Alabama game and probably being riled up and being at home, but I'm going to stick with LSU. 
Yeah, I think that honestly, LSU is like some of the best like talent in the league, just especially on offense. Their receivers are crazy good. Ole Miss didn't impress me, so Tigers. Yeah, I think LSU is the way more physical team, and so I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna brutalize Ole Miss. I think it's not gonna be pretty close at all. I think those receivers are gonna have a field day too, and so I'm also gonna go with LSU in that one. Go Tigers. Utah, Oregon State, ranked matchup. Utah undefeated. Oregon State coming off a tough loss against Washington State. Oregon State, I think, is favored by two and a half points in this one. I'm going with Utah. The Utes. Uh, their defense is really good. Seems like, I don't know, so many good Pac-12 teams this year. Cam Rising's not even playing, and they're undefeated. So yeah. I'm also going with Utah. Um, I think Cam Rising actually might be back this week. Um, he was up there warming up. He was dressed out and, and changed last week. So I'm I'm hoping he, he'll be playing. Um yeah, but I'm a, yeah, Utah. Can any of y'all pronounce like the Oregon's quarterback's last name? DJ Ugalele. Ui Ugalele. Ugalele. Ui I think him and that offense is a bigger challenge for Utah than UCLA was. And I think they're Oregon State is gonna anytime I pick them, they're gonna lose just a heads up. This is the tried and truth at this point, but I'm gonna pick them. He's going with the Beavers out of Corvallis. I I I like picking Oregon State myself. And I don't think I picked Utah yet. No, I picked him to beat Florida. I'm gonna pick Utah. I'm gonna pick Utah regardless of who Cam Rising plays or not. That defense is really, really good. I mean, elite, elite level here in college football. So I'm going to go Utah as well. As our last one, this is a fun one. A little Sunbelt action. Troy versus Georgia State. Our team, Georgia State. Cade, who do you like in this one? I feel like this has Sunbelt Conference implications. I am going with the Panthers of Georgia State. I I mean, the turnaround has been pretty remarkable. I mean, they were good a couple, like two years ago. I think they beat Tennessee and they had a bad year last year. Um, but 4-0 for the first time ever, a lot of momentum. Troy, big win against Western Kentucky this weekend, but not as good of a Troy team as I thought was going to be in this year. But it would be interesting to see because Troy was picked number one in their division in the West, and Georgia State was picked sixth in their division. But they have really taken off. So Georgia State. Something to fight about. Honey. I'm going to go with Georgia State. I mean, I have to trust in our in our team, you know, the bad the bad pod, the bad take podcast team, you know. Got to go for them. Hey, I'm glad it took you two tries to get the name of this podcast, right? <laughs> uh, Ethan. Does anybody know what Troy spelled backwards is? Yort. That's what they're going to do to Georgia State this weekend. Not even a word. Oh, I made it one. They're going to yord them. Going to yord them. Trojans. I got to go. What's the definition of that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Ethan, explain what yort is. They're going to run them off the field. Amen, brother. Put that in the Webster's Dictionary. Yort. Troy's going to yort Georgia State. At some point, I guess Georgia State's due for a loss, maybe. I don't know. But I'm going to pick them. I'm going to roll with our our Panthers. That's their their mascot, right? It's our official team that we've adopted. And I'm struggling to know their their mascot. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Panthers as well. That'll be a fun one. Uh, thank you guys for being on. Appreciate y'all. We're having fun. And Jay, enjoy your weekend of college football. 
there's nothing like it, man. But maybe step outside just for at least five minutes, just get a breath of fresh air or something like that. Maybe we'll get a coffee or something as the, as the weather's getting a little cooler. Hey, shout out real quick to uh, our Canadian friends, whoever you might be, as you listen to this show. We appreciate you at the Bad Take Podcast. Uh, we are worldwide now, if you guys don't know. Uh, downloads in two different countries, so that's big. So shout out to you guys. I've been to Toronto. Kate, you've been to Toronto. Beautiful, beautiful city. Nice people, good food. And uh, their football is strange to me just because the goal, uh, goal post is at the front of the end zone. That doesn't make That still just doesn't make any sense to me. Why is that? Does anybody know why that is? I do not. But yeah, is this news to you guys down there? Ethan and Honey? It is. You didn't know that in Canadian football, the the field goal is at the front of the end zone? I would have just so assumed it was rugby. <laughs> so a dude can just run into it. To say that sounds like a hazard. I, I think that's part of the fun. It is a hazard. You gotta you gotta weave your way around that one. 